Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we share resources by and for adoptive and foster moms. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it and we're here for you. Hi, Melissa. How are you today? Good. Welcome to episode 15, everyone. We are plugging along. We are. This is really great. I'm feeling really happy about it. Well, before we jump right into our content today, we just wanted to share some really sweet words from a listener. Go ahead, Lise. You have a quick review for us? I do. This is from Ashley. She left such a beautiful long review. This is just part of it, but I want you to hear this. She said, thank you, thank you, Lisa and Melissa, for this amazing podcast. I look forward to listening every week. Just want to encourage you that so much of what is sent out and talked about is exactly what I need. It's amazing to feel so supported by you just by hearing parts of your stories. Ladies, you will not regret subscribing to this podcast. There are so many resources involved as well. So thank you, Ashley, for those encouraging words. We really appreciate it. We do. They're kind of what keep us going. We wanted to let you guys know we do read all of the emails all of the comments, all of the reviews that come in. It's a great way for us to kind of gauge if what we're doing is helpful. So Ashley left us super kind words, but we know that there might be some things that we're not covering or maybe that you would like to see changed. So let us know, you know, in the comments at the show notes or through a review, if you have a request or want to reach out to us, we would love to hear from you. You can leave a review by going to your iTunes app and searching for the Adoption Connection will come up under shows and then scroll all the way down to the bottom. You can see the other reviews, but you can also leave a rating. So five stars really help us reach other moms who might be feeling alone. And then you can also leave a review there and we would certainly love to hear from you. Ashley also mentioned subscribing. So for those of you who haven't subscribed yet, we would invite you to do that. It helps you just get notified every week. We know that you guys have busy lives and you might forget that it's Tuesday morning and a new episode is coming out. And so our devices can help us remember and help you not miss any of the content coming out. If you need help, knowing how to subscribe using your podcast app, you can actually head to our website. We've done some quick little video tutorials for you. We want to make this as easy as possible. So just head to our website at theadoptionconnection.com slash subscribe. And there you will find all the things you need to learn how to subscribe to a podcast if you're not already following us. So just wanted to touch base with you guys on those things. And thank you so much for everyone who is subscribed and giving feedback and in our Facebook group, continuing the conversation for the podcast in that group. So we really love hearing from you. Today, we're going to talk about everyday tasks for building connection with our kids. You know, connection is very important to us. We both practice to the best of our ability, Connected Parenting, and we named our website and our podcast The Adoption Connection because really life is built on connection and connection is an important part of helping our kids heal who have, our kids especially the ones who've had early trauma or just all kinds of different adverse experiences in their lives. So building connections, very important, but sometimes I think we make it more complicated than it needs to be. A lot of connection can be built just in our everyday lives. Yeah, I love that because I know that sometimes when I'm thinking about 
all the connecting that I think that I should be doing as a parent, I just am overwhelmed by the thought of it. I'm already at my max. I just don't think I have any other margin or room in my life. The everyday tasks of just keeping a household running, working, you know, keeping everyone alive feels like enough. And so that extra layer of connection, it probably feels like it's just that thing to push me over the edge. So I'm super excited about this topic to just talk about ways that we can kind of weave things that are really helpful to our kids into the things that we're already doing. I was telling Lisa before we started recording, it's kind of like this fun science experiment that we did in homeschool last year. So if you've never done this, this is a really fun one and easy one. But if you put a cup of water together with a cup of rubbing alcohol, it does not equal two cups. And so I'm kind of thinking about this episode in those terms, all of our everyday tasks, plus all the connecting tasks that we need to do with our kids. If we put them together, sometimes it feels like it's twice as much work, but um, because we can intermingle them, just like alcohol molecules and water molecules can intermingle between the empty spaces, it can feel like less daunting, I feel like. So... Yeah, I agree. I know a lot of counselors and people, and, and even I, to some degree, recommend that parents get one-on-one time with their kids, which is wonderful, and it's very connecting, but sometimes it's like laying a heavier burden on the shoulders of a parent who was already parenting beyond their capacity, and um, when we say, oh, and now you need to find time in your week to meet one-on-one with each of your kids and take them out and do something special, I remember hearing that and thinking, that is completely unrealistic for me right now at this stage of my life with the kids I have and the needs they have. So Melissa and I brainstormed just some of the basic things we do in our lives, the basic categories of activities we do in our lives, and how we use connection with our kids in each one of those. Why don't we start by talking about cooking? I think you should start because cooking was the first thing to go when we were in crisis. I stopped cooking for my family. <laughs> Okay. I will start on this one. I have a really a very direct example of this. You know, Calcidon had a lot of trauma surrounding food and lack of food. So food was a very big trigger for her and hunger was a big trigger. So one of the things we did was she and I would cook together. You know, I don't remember now if it was how many weeks it was apart, but we would cook together and we'd make something she loved. And generally that just involved cooking chicken and rice and mixing it together with a whole bunch of spices because for her, spice was really important. She loved it. And then we would um, package it up into individual servings and put it in the freezer. And then she could pull out those little single servings of chicken and rice anytime she needed it. But what made it connecting was not only that we were meeting a need both of her body and her heart, but that we did it side by side. And I gave her a lot of freedom in it. Like she did all the seasoning and spicing and and everything else. So that was a really connecting activity we did in terms of cooking. Yeah. And I would say my husband is been really good with this with our youngest over the past couple months. And one of the things that he does really well that I don't do really well is he has really clear expectations for what he's getting himself into before he goes into the kitchen with our youngest who struggles with the effects of fetal alcohol exposure. And so he kind of knows upfront that it's going to be a little bit messier, that it might not turn out exactly the way that he would do it, but he is able, God bless his heart 
to let go of that little bit of control. And you know what? Our son is adoring this process and he's so proud of putting food in front of us and being able to claim that he made it or he helped make it. So I think that's been really a fantastic way to help boost his self-confidence and give him pride in things. And we'll talk about other ways to do that as we go through the episode. Another thing that I did think about is when I was cooking more for my kids is involving them with <laughs> menu back planning. in the day, back, back in the day, day. <laughs> um, is involving them in menu planning. And actually, even when I stopped cooking, I was still providing food, but it wasn't in full meals. And so even just relinquishing that control and letting my kids be in charge of when they ate and what they ate. You know, I was pretty careful about what I brought into the house. So pretty much once it was in the house, it was stuff that I was comfortable with them eating. It kind of worked out actually because we didn't have food battles about who was going to eat what and when they were going to eat it. There was some freedom there. And so I know that some kids need more structure around food. I was just talking to another mom recently and she was trying to give freedom in food, hoping it would give security and was actually giving more insecurity. So you have to, part of connected parenting isn't just connecting and doing things exactly like the books tell you. A lot of it's understanding our kids and being attuned to them. And that's the connecting point is understanding what they need. And so understanding maybe your child needs more freedom, like you gave Calcodon to be able to just have that meal that she could grab whenever she needed. Sometimes our kids need to know that we are going to be there for them. And so maybe a more structured meal plan, even if it's every hour, I'm going to feed you a certain snack is more what they need. So just be clued in to what your kids are asking you for and what their behaviors are showing you. Yeah, that's a really good point because our kids, their particular traumas and their particular brains are going to present them. They're going to have different needs from each other. And so we have to be pretty curious about them and try to figure that out. Another everyday thing that both of us do is cleaning. Speak for yourself, for me. Lisa. <laughs> well, okay. My, we have a lot of structure around cleaning, like having a daily chore chart and those kinds of things. Where it can be more connecting for my kids is if I offer to help them. Like if it's a time when they don't, when they're under a lot of pressure and they don't really have time to get it done. Or let's say that I want them to dig in and kind of clean their room. We did a little bit of this, a, a very, very little when they just had a four-day weekend. And so I just went up into Wagayu's room with him and kind of helped him out a little bit. And I think it, it made him not feel like I was giving him an overburdensome burdensome task because I was doing it side by side with him. Yeah, I'll use this in full disclosure to tell you that all of my rages as a child all 100% revolved around cleaning and chores. So I am, this is not how I'm going to connect with my kids, probably because chores overwhelm me as much as they overwhelm them. So maybe that's how we're connecting is that we all just hate it together. We're going to post this really cool article in the show notes. It comes from NPR, but it talks about the way that other cultures handle chores. We tend to be pretty outside the box parent parents, uh, Patrick and me, and we're kind of always curious about what other people are doing. And, and we definitely are off the beaten path for most of our friends who are also parenting. But it talks a lot about actually giving more responsibility to our kids and how that's empowering, especially when we do it from a young age. And we don't have time to get into all the nuances here, but it, it just talks about sometimes our kids need more responsibility, not less. And that when we kind of dumb down chores for them, it cheapens them. And by the time they get to be high schoolers, they're just not as excited to participate. So but it goes along with what we said about cooking. If we give that more responsibility in the cleaning area, we also have to kind of go in with realistic expectations for what giving 
a four, six, eight, 10-year-old responsibility for certain chores looks like, but it can totally pay off in the long run. And so it may be worth it to just rethink the chore situation, especially if you're just starting out and your kids are a little bit younger. I actually really agree with that. I I think, you know, I taught my kids how to do their own laundry when they were really quite young. And when they complain about it, I just say, look at you, you're in second grade and you can already do something that a college freshman may not know how to do. I believe in giving kids actual responsibility when possible. Okay. Another activity that we both do more than we might like is driving kids places and or running errands. So Melissa, what's your take on ways to connect with kids when you are driving? I love this. I love that this can be a place of connection because we drive a lot. We live a little bit out in the country and everything is usually a 30 minute drive or more. We're driving a lot of times to drop kids off at things. And I love that I can use this time to kind of relieve some of my mom guilt about some of the other ways that we're not connecting. I have found that kind of us both being held hostage without other things that can be super distracting. You know, a kid can't walk away. I can't be on my phone. It gives a certain amount of undivided attention. That's really important. But there's also this really great thing where my eyes have to be on the road and we don't have to be facing each other. And so so for some of our kids who have attachment challenges and might really struggle with intimacy, this is like the perfect compromise of undivided attention that's also not too close that kind of has this magic way of opening kids up to conversation. And so we have had some of the best conversations with our kids in the car. And because I'm driving, it also allows me to be a better listener, I think. And so sometimes it's me just being quiet and my other passenger, whoever it is, one of my kids jabbering away. I have learned how to be quiet in those spaces and not try to fix things or over-process things and just let them talk. And I think that's become a really safe place for our kids. That's really good, Melissa. I think you've covered pretty much everything I would say about that. It's also a very interesting time, maybe not so connecting, but if they're in the car with their friends, you might learn a lot by just listening as they're talking with their friends. So yep, driving and errands. Okay, another area that's part of our lives would be homework, or in Melissa's case, homeschooling. I have figured out, like so many other parts of parenting, again, super encouraging because I have all the control, really annoying because I have all the control, but I figured out I really can play this homework or homeschool battleground one way or the other. I can choose to be really encouraging. I can choose activities that I know set my kids up for success, or I can do what comes naturally to me, which is nitpick through the details and strive for excellence and, you know, just be overbearing and annoying. So I have also found for our kids who have gone to school that homework can really be a way for us to advocate for our kids. And so for our our kids who really struggle, I have been the first mom at the school office advocating to say, we are not going to be a family who does homework. This is going to be a time where my kid can decompress, where we can work on other relational things. And so you do what you need to do, but we are not going to do homework. And so I have felt that, especially one of our kids, really appreciated that we kind of went to bat for her in that season. But again, this goes back to so much of what we say, you need to know your kids. I also have some families that I work with where 
their child needs to be pushed to do the stuff because she doesn't want to feel different. And the accommodations almost make her feel more shame and more different. And so we've had to work on ways that we can gently and encouragingly and in an empowering way, hold her to a specific standard because by being held to that standard, she feels safer. She doesn't want her emotional response to a homework assignment to change whether or not she has to do it because it gives her emotional outburst too much control in her life, which I thought was super interesting and very insightful. But again, it just goes back to us needing to know our kids. Well, now that my kids are all in school, you know, the high schoolers do their homework on their own. They do things I don't remember how to do, especially in math. Um, My middle school boys, though, for the most part, they do not want help with homework. Um, One of them is very resistant toward us being involved at all with homework. And the solution we found, which is not necessarily connecting, but I do think it's been good and he acknowledges it, is we were able to um, include like a study hour period as one of his electives so that he's able to get his homework done during school and not have to bring it home. So that's been uh, kind of a relief for us in that area. The time when homework becomes connecting is when the boys have a significant project, something that maybe feels a little too big or has too many steps or is a little overwhelming. And then when they can accept our help, it does become connecting. But overall, I find that homework is is a hard place for us to connect, even though it is part of our life. That's okay, but you're still cooking and cleaning at your house, so you still have plenty of other places to connect. (laughs) Well, there we go. Yeah, you know, I, I am doing a few things right, I'm pretty sure. So, okay, let's go on to another, which is exercise. Now, when my kids were younger, taking walks, even if it was when we lived in town years and years and years ago, we would take walks around the block. There was a winter when I was homeschooling Claire and the boys were, uh, I had a little tutor for them once or twice a week. And so that winter we got a lot of snow. And so Claire and I would go out and we would just snowshoe just around the perimeter of our property. And I have such sweet memories of that as that special time of connection with her. Now my boys play football and they play basketball at their school and on another team. And so I definitely am not involved in that with them, but I do connect with my dog a lot when we go for walks. Well, Lisa, tackle football isn't in your repertoire of exercise that you do every week. No, I'm afraid not. That's beyond me. (laughs) And they do not go to the gym with me either. Although Claire has, so, you know. I think exercise in general, if you do nothing else, and even if you don't do it together, our bodies just need to move. And when we're under chronic stress and our kids are dealing with the effects of adverse experiences from earlier on in their lives, exercise is one of the single most important things that we can teach our kids how to do because it is just so good for their mind and their body. And it can be super fun and playful. It can be with a sports team. It can be as a family. We actually all took, all eight of us took Taekwondo for a season and it had us all moving in the same direction a couple times a week. I just am such a huge fan of exercise in general and movement in any form. So fit it in where you can, whether you're doing it with or without your people. I completely agree with you. All right. Another way that we can connect through our kids is through helping or serving other people. Yeah. I find that when I am at the very bottom of my barrel or at the very end of my rope, mostly with people in my house, 
that one of the things that I love to do is just get outside of ourselves and focus on somebody else. It might be making a meal for someone. It might be going, helping someone with yard work or bringing another child into our house, which I know sounds crazy when you already have crazy, but sometimes it's just enough of a dynamic for everyone to refocus on. This family needs us all to kind of buck up and help out. And, you know, sometimes it's been packing Operation Christmas Child Boxes. Mm-hmm. That's a good serving one. It like a soup kitchen. Yeah, I don't know. But there's something about when everyone in the family isn't focusing on our family, they're focusing on someone else. And kind of the idea of like a common enemy, but like on the positive, just a common something else that is not focused on anything that's going on inside of our house is just such a breath of fresh air. So I'm just a fan of doing that. Even when you think you have nothing else to give, sometimes it can be, it fills you up even when you are giving and volunteering. And I know it sounds counterintuitive, but just try it. Oh, I love it. I think it's a great suggestion. You know, in our church, there are opportunities for kids to serve alongside their parents. And I really love that. Like we'll see young kids helping open the door on Sunday for people or handing out bulletins or programs, sermon notes in our church. And another thing that's really sweet is a lot of times parents and kids together will help serve communion. And so that's been on my list to talk about with Russ and Wagayus express some interest in that. So I think that would be a neat way for us to serve together with them. Last but not least is bedtime. And I think bedtime lends itself to connection more than a lot of other things do. I mean, it's pretty easy to find ways to connect. For me, of course, I've talked about this lots of times. I love reading aloud to my kids. Now at bedtime, that's Russ's time to read aloud. And he is still reading aloud to our youngest, but he would always read aloud at bedtime to the kids. And so not only was the experience of him being with them and reading to them, but also that they were sharing the common joy of exploring a new book and experiencing that together. So I think reading out loud, we, um, of course, always pray for our kids at nighttime. When they were younger, we always sang special songs to them. And, you know, they could sometimes choose, but there were certain songs that we'd sing almost every night. So all of those things are really simple, sweet ways to build connection with our kids at bedtime. I was telling Melissa that You know, we'd usually sit on the side of our kid's bed to pray for them, sing to them, things like that. But now our youngest has a loft bed. So I usually climb up on something. So I'm still sort of at his level and I'll hold his hand to pray for him or something. But on occasion, I will climb all the way up onto his loft bed and lay down next to him. And he really loves that when I do it. (laughs) That's impressive. I find that I'm so exhausted at bedtime. This is not one of the ways that I've chosen to incorporate everyday connection into our family. So that being said, there are so many of these ways that you can build connection, but we don't want you to feel like you have to do them all and that your child can never leave your side. These are just ideas, things that you can tap into if you're feeling like you might need to up the connection a little bit, but don't feel like we're telling you whether you're cooking, cleaning, driving, doing homework, all of those things, exercising, that you should have your child next to you doing them all. So we are not telling you to do all of these things. And if you feel like there's just no margin to do any of these things, you just, all of these things you want to do in your own little bubble and get a break. We understand that too. And the foundation of great connected parenting is knowing what fills you up and being intentional about that in some pockets of time so that you can have some margin 
to use some of these everyday things and tasks to connect with your child. So if you feel like you're just really struggling to find that margin and you just don't ever really want to connect with your kid, grab a coaching call with us. We totally get it. We would love to help you dig yourself out of that hole and not feel like you're at the end of your rope and find that margin, reclaim that margin back in your life. It's totally free to grab a 60-minute call with us. So you can do that at our website, grab a time at theadoptionconnection.com slash services. Yeah, I really agree with what Melissa said that sometimes we just don't have the margin to think about any of these things. You know, set the bar low enough for yourself that you can actually get over it. I mean, that's what we say a lot about our kids, but we have to do it for ourselves sometimes too, especially as we're coming into the holidays and days are getting busier. If you want to choose one thing to try to focus on with your kids, that's great. But we don't ever, ever want to make you feel like there's more you need to do. This is just if it is helpful for you and it works for you. Perfect. So as our gift to you and just to help in your brainstorming uh, and how you're connecting with your kids, because sometimes our brains are so tired, we're not even sure which end is up. And so thinking about other ways to connect might feel a little challenging. So we have created a quick cheat sheet for you. It is called 50 Simple Ways to Connect with Your Kids. Actually, it's 50 plus simple ways to connect with your kids. We started brainstorming and we actually came up with more than 50. So you can grab that also at our website, at the show notes, at theadoptionconnection.com slash 15. If you're already on our email list, you will automatically get that in your inbox today. And as always, we have all the things that we talked about From the article about chores to the free download to our calendar where you can grab a coaching call. We'll put all of that in the show notes. So again, you can grab that at theadoptionconnection.com slash 15. So now I'm going to go connect with my kids. I'm picking my boys up at school and we are all going to the dentist. Does that sound fun? Sounds super fun. Are you going to do something fun on the way back to make it feel like it was worth it? Actually, I have to get them right to basketball practice, so probably not. But I will be there for them. I will be emotionally present, except for when I'm in the dental chair. So good well, enough, family, right? Family appointments. See, you're in it with them. You wouldn't ask them to do anything you wouldn't want to do. There you go. That's exactly what I was thinking. Thank you, <laughs> Melissa. <laughs> Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram as The Adoption Connection. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review over on iTunes. It will help us reach more moms who may be feeling alone. And remember, until next week, you're a good mom doing good work and we're here for you. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.